0: Welcome back to the second episode of Night Changes. You're listening to Julia.
1: And I'm Kylie.
0: So, this episode is about the crime that took place, but I'm not talking about Trisha Maley's rape, because we all know everything about that and how she was beaten in the park and left for dead and stuff like that. Yeah, It's a very famous case. I'm more going to be talking about the things that happened to the boys in the interrogation room, because genuinely... If the police had a better system to look at different, like, precincts, like, what they had... Uh They would have noticed that this was from a serial raper who had... hadn't been caught. He had already raped five girls in, like, the same way. Oh. And the police just, like, weren't paying attention to that.
1: Awesome.
0: So, the first part that takes place is in the Central Park Precinct. Because the park is so large... It that it has it has its own precinct.
1: That's cute. And it's
0: a U shaped building, so it looks like a horseshoe. Oh. And it used to be a a horse stable.
1: Oh, what?
0: Yep. And the horse stable.
1: So does it just smell like absolute crap?
0: Probably because it's in a in horrible state of disrepair. Oh. It has sagging beams, a leaky roof, and has boarded up windows oh. to keep out squirrels. Oh. So, Isn't even the ho- the horses got to move. Oh. The horse stable moved. Oh. So they have the better building.
1: Even better.
0: And so the police have this gross precinct. Cute. It's in, it's on 86th Street, Traverse, which I tried to look up to get, like, a picture of where it was, and I'm guessing that since the 80s, it's not there anymore, oh. because I could not find anything on where Eighty Sixth Street Transfer, Transverse was.
1: Interesting.
0: And so the first boys that were brought into this were Kevin, Kevin Richardson, Raymond Santana, and Steve Lopez. Yeah. Two of the five are brought into the Central Park. They are brought in at eleven p.m. the night of for assaulting the people in the park.
1: Yeah, as they should.
0: Right? And so, Raymond and... Not Raymond, but two other kids, Lynn, Lament McCall and Clarence Thomas, had already been sent home. Their families had come in, they did the interviews, and they're gone. It's 9.40 go a.m. They got to go home because they finished their interviews. Oh. But and now it's 9.40. And Kevin... Richardson has still not been seen by the cops. It's been 11 hours, and these cops have not talked to Kevin. And so his mom is about to, like, pass out, because she's been working all day, and then she stayed up all night. And so they brought... Oh, he
1: was sitting at the... They the... were sitting in
0: the waiting room for 11 hours. That's nice of them. Right? Right. And so, Kevin Richardson goes in at 9.40 p.m. That's when he gets into the interview room, finally. And so, because Trisha's rape was in Central Park, the case goes to the Central Park detective squad, which is in the same precinct. Yeah. And so now, a bunch of, like, Manhattan and, like, elite detectives are coming into this case because it's such a brutal case. And when it comes to that, a lot of detectives want their hands on it. Like, they want to be the ones to tell the story. They want their picture in the news. They want to be in the papers.
1: They want to be known.
0: And so, the homicide detectives come into the precinct, even though there isn't a homicide. Like, she's on the brink of death. I
1: was going to say, she wasn't killed, though. No, she's
0: still alive. But at the time, they didn't think she was going to survive. Oh. So they just skipped sex crimes. Oh, that's great. And called it homicide. That's
1: nice of them. She's not dead and she's actually dead, according to the police? Yep. Okay.
0: And so, 20 minutes after Kevin's interview starts, yeah, these elite detectives come in. The homicide squad Into goes
1: the precinct or just into their- Into his interview room. Oh, okay.
0: And so they have, like, a veteran detective with 25 years of getting criminals to confess in this room for this 14-year-old boy.
1: That's nice. I'm sure he's scared out of his mind.
0: Exactly. And it's getting—his interview slowly starts to get worse. It's getting more intimidating and aggressive. And then around this time, Antron McCray and Clarence Thomas— are going back they get cops go and pick all them and their families up and they're brought to they're brought to the central park precinct for more questions and they they're asking more questions and they're talking about yusuf salam the tall guy and then nobody when they're being interviewed none of them implicate themselves they always say three of these guys did it and i watched they always say they never picked up, like, the pipe that they beat the jogger with. They never did anything, right? Yeah. And so... After Kevin's interview gets started, his mother is called inside the room. Now, the rule at the time was that anybody under the age of 16 had to have a parent in the room. The whole or legal time, guardian. Right? Yes. And she wasn't? She... They called her outside to talk to her, and then they start yelling at this man. Oh, okay. Five, there's five detectives surrounding this one 14-year-old. Oh,
1: that's, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're...
1: It's illegal, but okay.
0: And then at 11.40, she signed a consent form for, her, for his sister, Angela, who's 24, to sit in with Kevin. And she had no clue what was going on. And so, during his in- during his interview, there's a scratch on his cheek from when the police had tackled him earlier yeah. at eleven o'clock.
1: Yeah.
0: And the detectives don't believe him, and they're like, "If this cop says you're lying, you're gonna be in deep trouble." And so, at one o'clock, one p.m., it's been almost.
1: That's a lot of hours. Yeah. Just a long time.
0: (laughs) It's been a very long time. He signs a confession. Oh. Admitting he'd witnessed and taken part of the rape.
1: Oh. Yes. Even though it was on the opposite side of.
0: Okay. The statement described the night in the park, including the assault on the old man, as throwing rocks at a taxi, reaching for a couple on a two person bike, and beating up a jogger. This is exactly what he said about the rape. She was knocked out. That's when Antron, Raymond, and Steve took her clothes off. Not clothes as in C-L-O-T-H-E-S. C-L-O-S-E.
1: Okay, we love spelling.
0: Before that happened, when Mike hit her down, I tried to grab her. I got a scratch on my face, so I moved back, and everybody started feeling on her. I saw somebody, Raymond, in parentheses, pulling her panties off. I saw someone hold like, the main character in Catching... to ca- ca- oh, ca- so it's spelled like a name. Catching... Catching, catching okay. the Rye. Oh,
1: yeah. Catching the Rye. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what are you trying to say?
0: Um, Raymond had her legs... No, Raymond had her arms, and Steve had her legs, and Antron had sex with her. Oh. Which, that's an odd position. How is one person going to hold the legs open? And then another guy get in there. Like, that's not how that works. Like, there's no room. Unless he's, like, tiny. but
1: Or he could have been, like, straddling her body.
0: Yeah, that works, yeah. From the other
1: side. That's still gross.
0: Yeah, it's still... I don't know. But- that's the thing that gets me about this, is, like, why would you ever want your friends there? If you're gonna do something like this, why, why would you would want, you your, want friends?
1: your
0: friends? Yeah. Right, anyways. She was... Apparently unconscious when they had her on the floor. And then, they before they even started, they dragged her into the bushes. Everybody left, and she was still there, the possessive. The cops stopped without an extra pee, five of us, and arrested. And I was the one who didn't rape her. So, like many of the boys, he was like, I'm the one who didn't do it. Everybody yeah. else did it. I watched, but I didn't do it. Right. But, in legal talk... He's there, which implicates it he, doesn't he, matter. Yeah. It's just as significant as him doing it.
1: Right. Which, I mean, if you're watching then, this horrible thing.
0: The police, though, told him he'd be going home soon. Oh, and he didn't,
1: I'm assuming.
0: They said, if you sign this, if you say that you did this, you get to go home.
1: That's just so wrong.
0: Yep, and so he signed the paper and they moved him to the 20th precinct where the investigation was continuing. And now Raymond Santana, he was also arrested at 11 p.m. He's been waiting for 15 hours. Oh. At 1.40 it began. So right when Kevin is being moved to 20th Precinct,
1: yeah,
0: Raymond's is just starting. And his is, like, the worst. Because his father and his grandmother get there at 5 a.m., His grandmother, his father has to leave for work.
1: Yeah.
0: And so his grandmother stays, but she doesn't speak English. Oh, okay. So the cop is, like, they, like, start, they do the Miranda rights in Spanish just so they have, like, a backup. But then everything else is in English, so she has no clue what's going on. Yeah, and because she doesn't know what's going on, they yell and they swear at him, and they say the same exact questions and like over and over and over again, and then they keep pulling out her grandmother, his grandmother, they keep pulling out his grandmother to swear at him harder and harder and harder and so at four o'clock, he writes a statement he's saying that he witnessed the homeless man being attacked. And he witnessed all the male joggers getting attacked. But Raymond doesn't write anything about the rape. So Raymond signs it. The detective signs it. But his grandmother refuses to sign it because she doesn't understand what just happened. Because it's not in good, Spanish.
1: Good for her.
0: Well, the detective wrote that she had been there. So it didn't matter. Awesome. Awesome. That's
1: just awesome
0: then his his father returns to the precinct and then he saw that raymond already gave a statement so him and his him and raymond's mom go get some food and raymond still believes that because he signed the paper he gets to go home now which is not the case no
1: not today
0: and so after and so now we're on the next man Anchon McCray is picked up from earlier. He was picked up around ten, and now at three fifteen, he's in the Manhattan. He's in the twentieth precinct interview room, and the elite room veteran detectives are in the room. They were they were like forcing him to admit that he admitted to the rape. They were like. They were being very forceful and being like, you did it. You know you did it. Why aren't you saying you did it? His mother was crying and yelling at them, being like, he's saying what he knows. Why aren't you accepting that he knows this?
1: Yeah, like what?
0: And so they were like, well, you know what? Maybe he's not saying it because you're in the room. Maybe he's shy. And so she leaves the room. And so... (laughs) now he's got she was the best thing he had she was basically like having a lawyer in the room
1: yeah
0: and so now he has also, a, why
1: don't they have lawyers in the room
0: they couldn't afford them most of these kids ended up getting court-appointed lawyers or like i don't know how to like go fund me lawyers but like there wasn't GoFundMe back then but it was like charity like scraped up money from neighbors and stuff lawyers before the court case yeah, this is all stupid. And so his stepfather, Bobby, is still in the room with him. But Bobby thinks if he just says he did it, they'll let him go. So he's he's also encouraging Antron to say that he did it, even though Bobby's like, I know you didn't do it, but you have to say you did so that you can go home and not go to jail.
1: That's not how that works.
0: Antron's... Said he wasn't gonna do it, and Bobby got so angry at him that he threw a chair across the room. Oh,
1: okay,
0: cool. So at this point, he's probably just scared of his stepdad now, too.
1: Oh, it, this is his stepdad telling him he needs to do it? Yeah. What?
0: And so at five o'clock, he signs the statement, and that he held onto the arm of the jog of Trisha. while everyone else jumped on in quotes oh. and but the timeline's getting messed up now because Antron says the rape was before the reservoir but Kevin said it was the last night of the evening yeah so now all their their stories having messed up and here's a quote from the book it says and Antron described the rape as having happened near the reservoir rather than by the lock almost half a mile away, where the victim was actually found, and he incorrectly described what the jogger had been wearing. So he's getting all these facts wrong.
1: Yet they still are like, yeah, you definitely raped her. Yeah. Awesome.
0: So, Antron's stuck there because they're like, the DA probably wants to film this, and so they go get pizza and they eat in the waiting room. And so back in the Central Park Precinct with Raymond, his father and grandmother are getting food. The detective starts speaking to Raymond again. And then Raymond makes an addition saying that Raymond had seen Kevin Richardson struggling with the girl. And so he directly incriminates Steve, Antron, and Kevin. And so, only Raymond and the detectives signed that Kevin did that at the end. Now, Steve Lopez is interrogated at 6 p.m., 20 hours after his arrest. His parents are in the precinct with him, but they live with they live in the same building as Kevin, Corey, and Yusef. He didn't admit to any of the, or participation in any of the assaults, only seeing them. And so, in his statement, Steve and his parents sign, but the detectives refuse to sign the confession. They're like, it's not good enough.
1: That's not a thing.
0: Yeah. Because Kevin, Anton, and Raymond already said Steve was there. So they're like, "Well, you're obviously there and you're just not telling us. Three people say you were there." Well, none because of those them... three people had been yelled at to say he was there right
1: after they had been waiting with no sleep for hours.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's not I don't think that should be a thing. And so he and one of the detectives ended up getting a confession out of him implicating himself. Oh. But his parents weren't there so he can't it's very shaky in court because his parent didn't sign it was just those two so now we're at yusuf yusuf has just gotten picked up so yusuf Corey, and their friend eddie get out of the elevator and the detectives go get their names So, Yusuf wrote on his card that he was born on his birthday in 1973, which would make him 16. But he only did that so he could impress girls, so he could be older, when he was actually born in 74, so he was only 15. But now these cops have this card being like, he's 16, we don't need any parent permission to have in the room. So Youssef's all alone. Dummy. His interview begins at 11 p.m. on a Thursday. His family and friends are downstairs, including his cousin and her fiancé and the assistant U.S. attorney who acts as Yusuf's mentor, saying they can't see him. She said, so the chief of the sex crimes prosecution in the DA's office, mm-hmm. she comes out and she's yelling at the assistant U.S. attorney. And she's like, you can't be here. This is an this is a ethics issue. Like, this isn't legal. Like, I'm going to call your supervisor. And then the guy was like, well, imagine if it was your family friend and that, like, imagine if this was someone you viewed as a little brother. She said... You did a real shit job at it. This is Yusef who got into that hardcore art school and got kicked out because someone put a knife in his locker. Oh, yeah. So he got into this hardcore art school. He was doing great. And someone's just like, you did a real shit job at it. He did every- nothing was bad about Yousef, truly. Nothing was bad. And so, in the interrogation room, though, the detectives are lying to him. They're like, we found your fingerprints on her pants. That's and also you... so
1: illegal. So illegal. I know.
0: And they're like, if you don't tell us exactly what happened, you're going down even harder than if you did tell us.
1: I would have been like, okay.
0: Exactly, right? You just... Mm.
1: Like, if you know you didn't touch a woman... Don't Like, I don't agree what the police officers are doing because that's wrong. But, like, and I get that they, they're kids and whatever. But, like, if I was put in that situation, I'd be like, I didn't touch her. So, if you want to take me to court and you want to show me my fingerprint DNA or whatever else and prove that I was somehow near her, fine.
0: Exactly. I will go
1: to jail for however long you need me to. I don't care if I go down harder. I'm not confessing and going to jail for nothing.
0: Exactly. And the issue with this is, too, is that these kids uh, have been in the rooms for 20 hours.
1: Yeah. Like, they're tired. They need sleep. They're
0: getting screamed at. They're getting slapped around. Right. And especially with Raymond, or not Raymond, Antron, his stepdad even is like, just say it. But these are also black and Hispanic kids in the 1980s. Right. These kids are used to this. They... At this point, they're just like, I'll say whatever I want to say to get me out of here, and then I get to go home, as was promised by the LA, not LAPD, yeah, LA, the new yep. NYPD. We're
1: in LA, apparently now. <laughs> it's not a movie.
0: Because there's a phenomenon when it comes to these court cases, too, is that people are more likely to confess to something they didn't do so that the DNA evidence comes back and proves them wrong. Because they believe. They're like, yeah, I'm going to say this now to get me home now. And then when you see that I didn't do it.
1: Yeah, but if you confess, they're going to use that to put I you know in that. Gmail.
0: You know that.
1: They don't know that. Though.
0: Yeah. And this especially sucks because Yusef does this. He's like, yeah, I did it because you have DNA evidence, and I'm going to be proven that I didn't do it, so it doesn't matter. There is no DNA evidence. It's just the confession at this point. And so, yeah, he's going straight to, he's done. But
1: that's what I don't get. That's not, that can't be legal.
0: Here's the thing. At 1145, his mother gets there. And so she's freaking out. She's like, let me into that room. He's a minor, he's a minor. None of the detectives care. 16, 17 is a minor, but they're allowed. And she's like, he's 15. And they're like, excuse me? And she's like, he's 15. And so she gets, she goes home.
1: Does she get his birth certificate?
0: Yes. Because they're demanding (laughs) documentation. And so then they stop their questioning, but
1: the damage is already done. They already had a confession at that point.
0: Yes. He never signed a statement, but he did sign the back of a Miranda card at 1230 a.m. Yusuf, as everybody else, said that the rape happened near the reservoir where the male Jockers had been assaulted nearly 700 yards from where she actually was attacked. 700 yards. 2,100 feet. Almost a full mile. Wait, a mile is 5,000 feet.
1: That's like
0: half a mile. Half a mile. Still!
1: No, that's...
0: But his mother, because she halted, they don't get to talk to him anymore because they messed up. And so now they're done. And so it goes on with Corey signing a statement and all these boys are signing a statement implicating everybody else. And so they get arrested. The specific ones who get arrested are Antoine McRae, Steve Lopez... Rabin not Steve Lopez, Antoine McCray, Raymond Santana, Corey Wise, Kevin Richardson, and Yusuf Salam. They all get arrested. They go to court. They get lawyers of varying intelligence. Oh, but we'll find about that on the next episode when I talk about their incompetent lawyers, which is the majority reason of why they ended up in jail from their incompetent lawyers. Oh my God. Because honestly, when I talk about this, you're going to see that the prosecution, they didn't have any facts. They went with emotional persuading of the jury. Oh,
1: never a good idea.
0: And then we'll talk about their life after prison when they realized that the boys hadn't actually done this. Oh my god. So we'll see you next episode. Bye-bye.